Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and if you were in the wrong place, you'd already be shot. Hi, I'm Dan Dresner, and hang on, this isn't going to be subtle. <laughs> that really demands to be ain't subtle, but fine. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. of the flaws in the movie, I'll just, I just got to keep going. Yeah. Welcome yeah, to Space yeah. the Nation, where we look at science fiction <laughs> through the lens of... Integrated deterrence. And disk instability theory. Today, we'll be talking about The Core, which is available for free on Roku, and you can rent it a bunch of different places. I rented it on Amazon Prime, as did Dan, which yep. is usually the place you also get trivia. But And I, I did get trivia, but it appears you did not, Anna? I had to go the old-fashioned route, Dan. I had to oh. look it up on IMDb. It really oh, hurt just... my fingers. My fingers aren't used to doing all that <laughs> typing anymore. <laughs> there is some typing in this movie. I forgot yeah. about that. Oh God, yeah. there's there's, there's a so lot much of dramatic typing. typing. Yes. There's a lot of dramatic typing. It's, the it, next it's gonna push your buttons. Yes, keep going. <laughs> in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about prospect to continue mm-hmm. our Pedro Pascal love. And then we are starting April. Dan, <laughs> tell us what's coming in April. We are going to be going in chronological order to talk about uh, Michael Bay's sci-fi work. So we are doing, for sure, Armageddon, and then The Island, and then the first Transformers film, and then I... <laughs> we're just, I just can't. We are, we are gluttons for punishment, Dan. Dan, yeah. that, is, that is what we are. That like is, we and, and, set up these think, things, and then I, we do them. I think the only way we could get a whole month's worth is by doing at least one more Transformers film. So that's where we go I, I from think method we should, to he madness. He did Pearl Harbor, right? I think he did do Pearl Harbor. Doing yeah. Pearl Harbor. Like that's because there was science. sci-fi in it. There's definitely IR. There's IR. I'm going to grant you that, but we can, we'll, we'll scratch around. We might have to get a little creative in terms of what we're calling sci-fi. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely IR. (laughs) If you haven't yet, please consider becoming a patron of our podcast. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash space the nation. If you're already a patron, well, we love you. You could also promote us by telling your friends and neighbors or rating and reviewing us, which is a way that people find the show. If you've ever wondered, how do people find out about this show? I've wondered, Dan. (laughs) I I have too, actually. <laughs> Sometimes through algorithms, I guess. I don't know. But uh, tell your friends and neighbors. That's probably more dependable. Tell them about the Discord because the Discord is one of the best things about becoming a patron. Really awesome sets of conversations. I'm enjoying it. Anna, I believe you're enjoying it as well. I love our Discord. I really yes. do. It's a great people and we have great conversations. A lot, a lot. I think I can say a lot of our conversations here jump off from the discord i think they've That's recommended true. things yeah. they've brought up topics for us to examine mm-hmm. so become a patron you can be in the discord you get episodes early there's merch coming i swear i swear i swear it's not a joke it's starting to become a joke again but no there will be a product from my labor dan there will be this is excellent if you are not a patron and you can't reach us via the discord you can reach us via various forms of social media i am still checking twitter both on and i are on <laughs> mastodon Anna's on instagram she has a website and we're both writing stuff Anna yeah. had a great piece about desantis ron De- governor desantis on the Thank new republic you. there was the ratio of snark on, on that piece Anna was was quite high and you know I, dan i feel like i can say this with good conscience if yep. you miss wonka <laughs> I think the New Republic has resuscitated Wonkat. Like, put wow. the old paddles on the on the chest. Oh man, gotten the heartbeat thumping. That I is a it. twenty year callback. That is impressive. I feel okay. it. I feel and it coming. I have a Substack. I also just wrote something for Politico in which I was able to actually embed a link to the Super Friends introduction of the Legion of Doom. In that political story. And I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty pleased with that. It's about whether the United States is creating a Legion of Doom. And so, Anna, how are you? Well, Dan. Yes? It has been South by Southwest month. Oh, that is right. Is it a whole month? Good Lord. Or does it just feel like a month? It might as well be. It feels like a month. I think it's 
technically like 12 days, something like that, okay. but it's basically yeah. a month. There's a, you know, the memes that happen for local residents include maps of how to go around downtown that include, that are like bypassing the entire state. Ha ha ha. But I actually went this year, a friend of mine gifted me a pass. So it's Ooh. my first year as a resident that I went. And in some ways, I think it's back to pre pandemic chaos and okay. stuff like it's hmm. I mean there are problems with South by right like yeah. it's huge it's overrun by tech bros mm. it gets very trendy but I also kind of love it I think the actual panels there are really interesting like I don't know I guess maybe people go there to like get VC funding and stuff but I went to several panels about psychedelic treatment and I Good. found them fascinating and I also met some really cool people like at those panels. So I guess I'm endorsing like go to panels. Dan, do you go to panels when you're at conferences? Like, I, am I just a nerd? No, it's funny you should enjoying ask. panels. While you were at South <laughs> by, I was at the International Studies Association annual meeting uh, in Montreal. And I'm going to point this out. Far fewer tech bros at my conference. And VCs, um, I'm guessing. At, yeah, no, no, not a lot of VCs either. Um, <laughs> and yet lots of panels that actually were very well attended. And similarly, this was actually, I think, the first conference I went to that truly also felt pre-pandemic in a variety of ways, both that it was, it was relatively crowded and there really wasn't a lot of mask wearing. There was some, but, but not much at all. And, and actually it felt good to be in the room and see people. So, yeah. You know, what I would say is that made this South by definitely post pandemic mm -hmm. in some ways was the fact that they could have a whole track devoted to therapy, right? Psychedelic yeah. assisted therapy. Yeah. And then also the only panel I went to where it was standing room only and they had to keep people outside right. was a panel on generation Z and death and grief <laughs> and ah. loss Okay, as portrayed on like on the internet it was called uh death talk was the name of the panel jesus okay yeah wow. and it was yeah it was sold out i mean i, I think I would, that speaks to there's something happening in our culture we're not quite talking about it. yeah that's fair the last it's funny my last two conferences that i attended were both in montreal but like again the difference between september of last year and now in september of last year to go to canada i had to download an app show my vaccination card there was random requirements to get tested. Like one out of 10 of us who came through Montreal had to set up a testing, which was a pain in the ass to do. And in fact, some people just tested at the airport because that was the only places that were available. Whereas this time you just flew in. That was it. There was no other, <laughs> no other requirements. So yeah. yeah. But I assume like you're like triple vaxxed Dan, right? Oh no, I'm triple vaxxed and right, got the right. bivial. That's not the issue. The issue is like, I didn't remember to bring my vaccine card or anything like that this time. Cause, and as it turned out, I didn't need it. I just think it's actually important to remember, like, there's subtle ways that maybe it's good that they're invisible to us, that we really are post-pandemic, but we really mm -hmm. are post-pandemic. People are a little different. I think the way and to like, put it is that post-pandemic is not the same as pre-pandemic. It's different. It's all this as though it's different. We should probably move on. Dan, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about the core. Why did you make me watch this movie? Why did I make you watch this movie, Anna? <laughs> because science, Anna. Um, <laughs> So in January, Yi Yang and Xiao Dong Song published a paper entitled Multi-Decadal Variation of the Earth's Inner Core Rotation in Nature Geoscience. Now, there were a lot of findings in that paper, but among them, and this was included in the abstract, was that differential inner core rotation has recently paused, which, and I cannot stress this enough, does not mean what everyone thought it means. <laughs> In other words, everyone read that and there were a ton of articles saying Earth's core has stopped rotating, which if you've <laughs> seen the core, you know, is a bad thing. Well, or if you see the core and believe the core is science, you you think it's a bad thing. As it turns out, what the article was actually trying to say is that apparently for the longest time, geoscientists thought that the Earth's core rotated more quickly than the rest of the planet. And that was true for decades, but apparently it's reversed slightly. And now the core might be rotating less quickly than the rest of the planet. So it, it's just that. But I do think the moment I read that story and like the moment I, I like, you know, paused through the article, I was, we're going to have to do the core 
And let me just point out here, I think it's safe to say on a bad interpretation of science is going to be a running theme of this episode. Yes. I believe so. Uh, yeah. Being scared of the wrong thing. Yes. There we go. Is a running theme because Dan, mm-hmm. if you think about it, mm-hmm. is it weird that not every disaster movie made in the past 20 years isn't about climate change? Like they all should be about climate change. Basically every oh, disaster movie I disagree. Well, I mean, I know it's all this. a metaphor. I know it's all a metaphor. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. But I guess the whole being scared of the wrong thing idea really stuck with me when I yes, was. That's fair. I, I was reading up about this because, Dan, did you happen to see the most recent IPCC report? It just came out, I believe. Um, yes. And let me guess, it's not good news. It's correct? not good, Dan. Yeah. No, it's not good. According to this UN um Panel, not panel. What is it? UN. It is panel. It's intergovernmental oh, it's panel. Panel, panel on climate change. It's a panel. IPCC. It's another panel. We love yeah. panels. Yeah. Uh, the Earth will blow through its quote unquote carbon budget by 2030. And I'll just read read here. Okay. Beyond that threshold, scientists have found climate disasters will become so extreme that people will not be able to adapt. Basic components of the Earth system will be fundamentally, irrevocably altered. Heat waves, famines, and infectious diseases could claim millions of additional lives by centuries end. Woohoo! Yeah, I will say when I taught my end of the world class, the thing I learned from doing that is that there are lots of different ways the world could end, but climate change is sort of the one that is like, the world's definitely going to be different. So yeah, fair enough on that point. I don't want to end quite on that note, except to say people should remember that if someone tries to tell you this is individual responsibility at work here, it is not. There is a governmental country corporate level of responsibility here that that's what needs to change. But that said, so. if people tell you that it is hopeless and nothing can be done, they are also lying to you because, in fact, there are still measures that can be done and it would be incorrect to assume futility at this point. So it's not so much don't worry about recycling. It's <laughs> worry about big the, the big folks doing whatever their version of recycling is and things can change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But anyway, the movie. Yes. So will this podcast ruin it for you? And my answer is not in the slightest. <laughs> I, as you will discover, Otto and I thought this was a pretty bad movie and nothing is really. It's impossible to be spoiled. It, it, it yeah. is. You cannot spoil this movie because it's it's not good enough to spoil. Right. Like exactly. It was never fresh. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the no. earth is saved and the two most attractive people survive. <laughs> it's true. That was what I thought when I was finished watching. I was like, okay, they got rid of the slightly older attractive people and just saved the young hot people. That's yeah. the and story then, of the film. And the earth too. So yeah, whatever. If that's yeah. a surprise to you, you I can't be I don't know. We can't you help you. Some... <laughs> we can't help you. You back up and listen to the our back catalog. You know, almost like... <laughs> every note in this film is plays out pretty much as you think. There are a few exceptions. It's a weird film in a lot of ways, but and we will talk about that. But like the basic structure of the plot, yeah, it's kind of predictable. Yeah, uh, Dan, what is your previous experience with this movie? This is one of those classic, like, would stumble across on basic cable or late night cable. And, like, I don't think this might very well have been the first time I literally watched the film from beginning to end all the way. Whereas it would be the kind of thing where, like, I'd stumble in. It's like, oh, Keys is going to do that thing with the peach. Okay, I'll watch this scene. I like this scene. And then, like, you know, I'd turn it off. Yeah. What about you, Anna? I used to have a real thing for Aaron Eckhart. (laughs) Um, Probably because he played, like, a super super handsome asshole in in the company of men and that used to be my type so oh i know so i've seen a bunch of his stuff and he is an amazing actor we yeah. will have a sidebar on whether or not he's an amazing actor in this movie <laughs> yes but he's very nice to look at i, would say. <laughs> I and, yeah. oh my god dan he teaches at the university of chicago <laughs> Okay. How long were you there? I was there for four years. I was there for seven. I didn't even see anyone walk across campus as hot as him. Like, leave aside, like, teachers, professors. <laughs> I'm a little hurt on him. No, you ran, into, you ran into Jake Gyllenhaal on, on campus. <laughs> that is true. So, I did run into Jake Gyllenhaal once. So, yeah. yeah. 
but I, in my opinion, Aaron Earhart's way hotter. So like, I yeah. kind of agree. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I think I like Jake Gyllenhaal more, but Aaron Eckhart is like smoldering hot. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, not only would I never have a professor that was that hot, but like, I don't even was, I don't even thought I looked, I, I don't know if I looked at a magazine that had a picture of someone that hot. While my wounded pride at this point feels the need to point out that Anna and I did never overlap at the University of Chicago. <laughs> She yeah. was a student, sure. and then sure. I became a professor years later. So you know, right? Yeah, that's that. the problem. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, ow! You know what? Let's get to the story behind the story because beyond the absolutely true point of this film, that America's real heroes are professors who are keenly unaware that they are total smoke shows. This is just a weird ass film. There's like a few really great things in it, and then just total hack work. So I, I think it like let, let's start with the science. How bad is the science in this film? Anna? It's very, very bad. <laughs> there are just pages and pages of websites, if that makes sense. There's uh, uh, thousands of words. That's a better, better number, mm -hmm. uh, a better way to calculate it. Thousands of words about how bad the science in this movie is. I would say that this this movie also presents a conundrum in a metaphysical sense because what is the equation to figure out the delta between the cumulative potential charisma of a cast <laughs> yes versus... and the actual chemistry shown on the film <laughs> yeah that's that to me is a mathematics equation that you know someone's going to win the nobel prize for solving that one because no, like... as we were talking about just before we started recording this is a weird film where the whole is less than the sum of the parts there are some great parts to even in this film but like the whole thing is just weird. We should say, okay, we should say who's in it. So yeah. Aaron Eckhart, as as we said, Hilary Swank. Yeah. Uh, Delroy Lindo. Oh, he was good. The yeah. Tooch. <laughs> Stanley Tucci. Talk about a smoke show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> and I was even actually, I should have looked up his name. That The guy who played the Secret Service guy, he plays Secret Service a lot. The character actor, he's like, Sure. Yeah, yeah, he's been like he's in the West Wing, and he's been in like other. He's, he's been great. In other films. Yeah, he's like great. in this yeah. tiny little role, he has like one ha line that's good. Yeah, and he yeah. nails it. And yeah. I'm trying to who else is it? Actually, Alfred Woodard. Alfred um, Woodard. Richard Jenkins. Richard uh, Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. My God, it's like a it's it's a pirate's crew of character actors, not just character actors, great actors. Yep. And Fair number of Academy Award winning nominated and Academy Award winning actors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. Anyway, so that's one science problem. I'm going to move on. Right. So Go let's ahead. get to the actual movie. That that is, a, I think, a you know metaphysical problem, a mathematical equation, perhaps. Uh, but the actual science in the movie is terrible. It is so bad <laughs> that it actually prompted the formation of a kind of loose knit organization of scientists devoted to trying to get Hollywood to communicate with scientists. And I am not kidding. It is called <laughs> the Science and Entertainment Exchange. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little disappointed it's not called the Moonfall Society, Anna. I've got it. I'm not going to lie, but okay. And who enough. knows? Like, I mean, I don't know like how much work it's done, but some scientists apparently got so upset about this that <laughs> they did the hardest thing possible for scientists, which is they they socialized with each other. They yes. Oh each my other. god, that's right. What's they actually also... formed a social movement. That shows how bad this film was. Yeah. And what's also amazing is that they did consult some scientists. I, I find that remarkable, to say mm -hmm. the least. The, in fact, I, there's a little sort of uh, piece by a geophysicist who was teaching at the university near where they filmed, which of course was in Canada somewhere. And uh, it's an interview with him by a movie site. And they ask him how it went. And he's so remarkably like kind of like, eh, you know, they didn't listen. <laughs> it's not mad at all. <laughs> That sounds like someone who knows how the movies work, to be fair. Yeah, like he's, that, he's like, whatever. He, he yeah. said the one thing he's really proud of is that that list of prime, like there's a scene where Aaron Heckhart and Rat or they yeah. use prime numbers to decode something. And mm -hmm. astute observers will note that they have some non-prime numbers in there. But uh, and he caught one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's bad. Oh, dear. And he said, like, he's like, but then he was like, I got, you know, I, and, but he noted that even the time he tried to intervene, like, it didn't go well. But he, he doesn't hold the, the, the movie any ill will. 
Uh, he said the actors themselves mostly ask questions related to quote unquote how geophysicists think, which I find adorable. Like that, method acting. That, <laughs> how do that, geophysicists think? <laughs> that does lead to the interesting question here because I, Anna, I totally get your your love of Aaron Eckhart beyond in the company of of men. I say this yeah. as a, as a straight man. He is a gorgeous human. He's very, I mean, very he's pretty. really good looking. And, you know, beyond in the company of men, he was great in The Dark Knight. Uh, you know, Aaron, uh, Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, he's fantastic in that. Like, he's got really good acting credits, you know, on, on his IMDb page. He has also made some very odd choices. And this is definitely one of them. Yes. Um, so so the, the young postdoc who did this uh, consulting for them. So they asked, how did geophysicists think? And one asked me what I think about when I look at a wall, which I did not have a good answer for. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think that, that was Aaron. I, like I got to think, think that so. Was Aaron. Like he to does do. some good in looking he's, at wall he's like, stuff he's, he will also i mean I, to, a little seriously like I, I recall reading about him he's fairly serious about his craft like okay. you know he studied theater and neil butte his, his original kind yeah. of muse like right. or he was neil butte's muse yeah. um is pretty fucking hardcore he did go on to direct some really weird stuff but his early stuff like in the company of men very yeah. demands a lot of his actors so i like to think that's aaron eckhart asking that hmm. what do you think about when you look at a wall Love it. I'm going to start putting that in my interview questions, like when I when I do famous <laughs> people stuff. Totally fair. And then he said they also ask about how academia works, i.e. Uh, how realistic were some of the interpersonal tensions in the movie? <laughs> actually, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to say it was accurate, but that was actually the stuff I enjoyed the most. Like, honestly, the idea that there would be a celebrity academic is somewhat realistic. I mean, there are people right. like that. You know, and the end, like the my favorite part of the film is Braz and Zimsky just constantly getting into it. That was like you could have done a whole different film with just Delroy Lindo and, and Tooch going at it because that's the right. best parts of this film. It is. It really is. There is another kind of good thing that came. I'm kind of I'm leading with the good stuff. Really. Yeah. OK. Right. A good thing that came out of this is one of the other scientists that they consulted, David Stevenson, mm -hmm. I think at Caltech, prominent geophysicist. Uh, they sent him the script and he never responded. <laughs> and uh, because he just thought it was ridiculous. And then he got a call from the director who was like, what did you think? You know, what, oh, did we no. nail it? And he oh, was like, no, you did not nail it. But it prompted him to write a proposal, which was put in Nature magazine. But in an, I believe, an April issue. Mm -hmm. Called, I think, A Journey to the Earth's Core, A Modest Proposal. <laughs> yeah was, yeah very swifty is what you're saying well except it seems to be real like it's it is a actual plan that mm -hmm. is probably not workable if that makes oh. sense like he, mm -hmm. he's done interviews about it where he plays it straight but then oh, okay. in one inter one one article i read in wired magazine when the wired magazine called other geophysicists to ask about it they laughed at the reporter okay. so <laughs> So he, what you're saying is he might just be committed to the bit. He just does, might be I, like I, that committed to the bit. As an academic <laughs> who came, you know, did improv comedy like you know in college, I admire that kind of deadpan commitment to the bit. Very. Are very we? Well. Oh wow, Dan, I did improv too. <gasps> oh, we'll have to talk. No, about no one ask any. No, no, no one give no. out. I don't want a name of anything. Nothing. Oh, the Discord is gonna have a, <laughs> just a conniption fit on this okay let's move on so i can to, go through so i have an actual yeah. list of all the things that got they got wrong okay let, let's do you do you want to hear it it's long hit let's say the highlights i mean you know like the top okay the, the top I, five. I mean, I'll, I'll do i'll do two i'll do two okay which say it all okay okay yeah one number one is the earth is not surrounded by an electromagnetic field which I feel oh, like is a pretty big mistake. That does seem like an important <laughs> correction. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know that. I kind of assumed that was true. It's, okay. it's a magnetic field, Dan. Okay, got it. There's no, like, something Electro. happens with Earth Core. Yeah. No pacemaker is going to stop. Got it. No, okay, nothing. good to know. 
Yep. Okay. So there's that. So mm-hmm. you're kind of like, and which is why some, some scientists were not mad basically like the guy that did the journey to the earth uh, yeah. Moss proposal. Um, he's actually was in very kind of good humor about the whole thing. Cause he's kind of like, look off the bat it's in la la land. Yeah. So, fair enough. Okay. You know, and then the very first demonstration of science when Aaron Eckhart plays, he's going to play the uh, trumpet to show how sound waves change when they're go through yeah. solid. It doesn't work like that. I won't go into it. Like okay. basically you would have to play one long sustained note. So him like tootling around okay, Got would it. miss the point. And I just feel like I put those two out there because those are the first two sciencey things that you get. Yep. Yep. And they're both wrong. Mm-hmm. So the science is bad. I'm not sure <laughs> if I have anything else about it. Oh, uh, it's a famous for being a guilty pleasure of Roger Ebert's. And which and is fascinating I've, to me, but I get it. Like again, this is not an unenjoyable film. Like it's bad, but like there's there's aspects of it that I did enjoy, and there's aspects of it that are good. It's a little weak. Like we were talking about it before, Anna. This is not a good bad movie because no. this is not a movie where the director or the screenwriter had some passion and really committed to it. It's actually the opposite of that. I think the direction is lazy and I think the screenwriting is lazy, but there are actors that actually took what was given to them and really do make it work. Yeah. Stanley Tucci's performance is great. Like yeah. he's, it's just point blank. Great. Like there's yeah. just not a bad scene that he's in and oh, he sells no, every line. And, and yeah. he, if you just put together a super cut of his scenes, like yeah. that would be an amazing film. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Delroy Lindo too, I think. Yeah. And whoever plays And Bruce Serge, Greenwood. And Bruce Greenwood. Um, we're leaving out some people you may notice if you're paying attention who we yep. are leaving out when we say yep. the good performances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely are. All right. Oscar Let- winners that I could name. <laughs> Let's move on to Chekhov's What's It, Anna. So this is the thing that, that comes up in act one of the film that winds up playing an important role later. What do you have, Anna? Well, Dan, see, you go first because you have the good one. It was the only one that I could detect. It was Chekhov's whale music. Yeah, Um, it would totally write on. I I just have Chekhov's heroic decision to let people die. (laughs) Which does, I come on. I mean, I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's there. Yeah. Uh, but yours is probably the more the one that that Chekhov might actually. I'm sorry, I, that, we I knew when I put that down, I was like, Anna's going to be pissed because I knew that you were also going to come up with that. Like there are it's times right. where it's just one. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's always a very big deal that she decides that she has to fail. She has to let people die. Yep. We are probably not going to talk about that little thing, but that's a part of her growth. That's a part of Hillary Swank's growth as a leader. Bex, yes, yes. Bex yes. growth as a leader is okay. Learning to let people go. All right. Dan, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, let's get to the plot. Act one, meet the Terranauts. Weird shit is happening around the globe. People dropping dead in Boston, birds dropping dead in London, and the space shuttle getting its telemetry wrong and landing in the Los Angeles River. Lieutenant General Purcell brings in affable University of Chicago geophysicist Joshua Keyes and French scientist about town Serge Levesque to ask them if it's possibly an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse. They say no, but Keyes is troubled enough by the other weird news events to bribe his grad students into investigating all weird phenomena, Anna. And, <laughs> and listeners, Dan, I wish wait, I wait, could wait. see Anna's like facial reactions to this description of the plot, which is accurate. I want to point that out. But yeah, go ahead. She asked them to search the internet for weird things. Like that's a command that he gives his students. <laughs> yes. Also, he bribes them by saying he's going to approve the dissertation. Whatever, I- I'll approve your I'll approve your dissertations blindfolded. He literally says that, which it, is a slight ethical problem with that. But like, yeah, and also, so. and also, I think asking grad students to do research is how it works. Am I wrong? Yeah, but traditionally, you come up with it's the more idea covert. With it's a, yeah, it's a little more, you know. And like also, by the they way, think he's they're also getting using... more out of it. Traditionally, they they're you're, you're yeah. hoodwinking them, right? And also, by the <laughs> way, like he literally says, take the best undergrad students and just have them do this shit. Which you know, right. fine. And I got to admit, if you're an undergrad and like a professor asks you to do something, you're honored anyway. So it does yeah. it does work that way. And University anyway. of Chicago undergrads are basically grad students. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, so. Keys concludes that the Earth's core has stopped spinning, destabilizing the planet's electromagnetic field. He brings his findings to celebrity scientist Conrad Zimsky, who at first rejects the idea, but then has Keyes brief the Pentagon. In three months, all electricity will cease to function, and in a year, everyone will be dead. The only way to fix things is to drill down to the core of the Earth and jumpstart it with nukes. To do that, 
they enlist an old rival of Zimsky, Dr. Ed Braz Brazelton, who has very conveniently developed <laughs> unobtainium, a material that can convert extreme heat into electricity, as well as a laser-guided high-speed drilling array. Joining them in their Terranautic mission are NASA shuttle pilots, Ro Commander Robert Iverson and Major Beck Childs. Anna, there are some legitimately good things about this movie. Like, Keyes' exposition scene, while factually incorrect, it's decent as an exposition dump goes. Like, it's actually yeah. entertaining. But holy cow, so much of this plotting and continuity are ridiculously dumb. So three examples just from this opening section. First of all, if you want the scientist to let you know, is this an EMP or not, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, don't bring them in the room with the dead bodies. That might freak them out just a little bit. I'm saying, why would you go to a geophysicist first thing? Yeah, like that's if that's your, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. That's, if you he think says, it might he be says geomagnetics at one point, which made no sense to me whatsoever. I think that's just like a bullshit thing. You know. Also, by the way, also there you, would be other clues if it was an EMP. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's thing. Second. To be fair to Zimsky, who largely, like, Stooch plays him as a complete asshole throughout most of the film, and he, he probably is, but in that one scene where Keyes is, like, first talking to him, he does it right outside, like, some, like, big science thing where Zimsky is, like, taking autographs, and Keyes goes, will you please read my work? Now, Anna, I'm not as famous as Zimsky, but I've had moments like this. And no, I would not read the work, because that's clearly going to be a crank thing. But what if it was Aaron Eckhart, man? Oh, that's fair. That's fair. See, what if it's Aaron Eckhart? I, I also yeah. have had people push papers upon me. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, to, I, I would say also, no one said, and it's about the end of the world. That also. That's a surefire way. Like if someone says, right. all right, you've got to read this. It's about the end of the world. It's like, okay, definitely. I will take it. Aaron Eckhart saying, you got to read this. It's about the end of the world. I'd be like, can you meet me later? Like. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, is it so soon? When is it happening? Is it before tonight? <laughs> I could just see you doing this. Oh, let's meet over coffee right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> also, then, I love I love Zimsky. His first his first the first thing he says is like to brush him off is I'm late for the White House. Excuse yes. me, I'm late for the White House. <laughs> oh come on, that was like that again. That was just a great character note. It's like that's like even with a stranger, it's like he's like humble bragging. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm perfect. late for the White House. I loved yeah. it. I want to. I'm going to use that. I, even if it's not true. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm late then, for the White House. And then finally, after Keys gets the brush off from Zimsky, he meets Serge. He gets completely hammered, and then the charming Secret Service guy or whatever like takes him. And apparently, an hour later, is completely able to just give that wonderfully sober presentation about what's going on, which. Like, you didn't even see him drinking coffee or anything. It was just kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would be very interested in the insta-sobering technology, obviously, yes. <laughs> or a past me would have right. been. Yeah. Although hardly the most outlandish, you know, scientific invention of this movie. I would like to talk about the breakfast bar at the <laughs> <laughs> Is that where our tax dollars come, Dan? I mean, yes, the modern, Anna, the the modern yes. military, the modern military, they're paying for gender affirming surgery and sumptuous buffets. <laughs> what else will our woke military waste money on, Dan? This is far beyond like $300 hammers. This is like, how much was that peach? Like $500 oh, Anna, peach? I, I don't know. If how much could a banana point? cost, Dan? By the way, I did love this little trivia note. Apparently, that wasn't a real peach. Yes. They had to use an apple because apparently none of the peaches were up to to par so like that yeah but yeah. <laughs> i've been to some government functions dan not yeah. a whole lot but i don't know there wasn't a breakfast buffet maybe that's for the really big top secret ones they have like our super nice spread i mean beyond um, the, the breakfast buffet it does look like they're in the room where dr strangelove is shot it so does, yeah like, it does. It, it's the strangelove yeah. room with a really nice breakfast buffet which i think uh, perfectly encapsulates the bizarre nature of this film so like yeah that that works. yes just a couple more things on this section yeah. the do the search for weird news will never not be funny and then there is a line that in some ways graces the whole movie it is of course delivered by the tooch which is after <laughs> the protests against the, there's no way we could possibly do that yeah tucci goes but what if what we if could? we could <laughs> And I want that as a ringtone. Like, 
Again, and by the way, in all seriousness. But what if we could? I mean, this, it opens up all these possibilities. I just want that to live in my head. But it what speaks to could? how good Stanley Tucci is yes. as an actor because it's a nonsensical line in some ways, but he delivers it with such conviction that you're like, oh, now I'm intrigued. What if we could? Like, What you know, if we could? It's, like, it's, it solves every problem in the movie. But what if we could? All yeah. right, then. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Speaking of which, Dan. Let's get to act two, a very different Underground Railroad. In three months, the team builds Virgil, the train-looking vessel that will bring them to the core. Uh, the Pentagon forgets about the existence of the NSA because that that would make sense and instead hires one hacker, Rat, <laughs> to hack the net and censor any online chatter about the end of the world. He's going to yeah. stop the weird news at the same time. Like I will weird- say... I did DJ like Squalls. Oh yeah, yes, DJ Squalls is in this too. DJ Qualls, yeah, 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 yeah. He, and he's good. I will say I did love there's like a one minute scene where like the FBI is gonna burst into his apartment and he then like tries to destroy everything. Yeah. By, like, you know, like first of all, it does remind you this film is 20 years old because like you'll see CD ROMs destroyed, floppy disks destroyed, and so on and so forth. But like he frenetically tries to destroy everything. It was actually a really good, really good. Uh, sequence. Maybe a physical bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Virgil launches underwater from the Marianas Trench just as high-tech static discharge starts wreaking havoc on the surface. Virgil gets through the Earth's crust but hits a geode in the mantle. Virgil doesn't fly, so the ship lands very hard in the interior and the geode starts filling up rapidly with, as Dr. Evil would put it, hot magma. (laughs) They're able to exit the ship because they had planned for this contingency, I guess. Like there's a, the line in the, in the movie is the suits can handle the pressure. Oh, okay. (laughs) What what if they could, but what if they could, Dan? Like, (laughs) what if they could? I want to know the meeting was like, I mean, it actually is great that they had suits for this, but I'm like, I'm trying to figure out which one of this, you know, we should have suits so we can exit the ship. Um, in the mantle, like, like, on what? Because they say they don't. They say they don't. They didn't know spaces were going to exist. Yes, exactly. So if they didn't know that, under what are the scenarios where they would need to exit the ship? Like, you know, I just, I, I, you know what? I will give them a little credit on this. Maybe if like it failed to get under the Earth's crust, like they would exit underwater, and that could make some sense. But still, it's just it's <sighs> ridiculous. Anyway. They do manage uh, to dislodge the ship, but not without cost, as Iverson is killed by a falling piece of debris, leaving Beck in charge. A few hours later, a huge diamond hits Virgil just as the crew is arming the warheads. The weapons control compartment is hit, trapping Surge. Despite Josh's entreaties, Beck lets Virgil eject that compartment, crushing Surge to death. Anna, I, I really do think the prep scenes demonstrate the good, the bad, and the ugly of this film. The good is that there is a quick, like, two-minute scene where Iverson talks to Beck about command. He talks about command being, you know, it's not about ability, it's it's about responsibility. And Bruce Greenwood sells the hell out of that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually a really good scene. I like that scene. Like, I will I liked it scene. also. Was it also in Top Gun, I think? I don't know. I can't remember what he's in. <laughs> but, like, I feel like he's good every time he delivers that speech. He, every yeah, time. He's really, no, it's a great <laughs> scene. Literally, the next scene after that is like the six of them or the five of them like chatting like on the, the surface. And suddenly they see this elect like static discharge. And Hillary Swank is forced to say the line, this doesn't look too good. We should check this out. <laughs> I laugh every time I, I hear that. It's like, like I, I really do assume the screenwriter, this might've been a Mexican writing binge moment where like, I'm just assuming the screenwriter put like, that is a placeholder and didn't realize they needed to change the line. Cause like it's the dumbest line ever. And then the ugly, this is really the bad plotting is where as they're prepping Iverson correctly points out that everyone's assumptions about the core might be wrong. And again, Stanley Tucci by acting like as just hand waves it away without actually giving a good response. He's like, yes. And what if the moon was made of green cheese? Science is best guess. No science is about Let's prepare for every contingency. Like that was just so stupid that that like he gave that answer. I was just incredibly frustrated with him. Sorry. He is very good, and yeah. and I actually I don't think maybe he's not in Top Gun, but I just, he has that character. He's played he's not that in character. Top Gun, just to be clear. He's not yes. in Top Gun, but yeah. he he's played that character and delivered that speech. I think in multiple movies, he's right. good at it. Let yeah. him do it. Let yeah. him do his thing. What I was just wondering is, do you think that Hillary Swank's Oscar spins as though it were in a grave? <laughs> like when she does stuff like this, two of them. She's one, two. Two of them. That's right. Do you think they spin? Two. Do they spin? 
with the Earth's rotation or against the Earth's rotation, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's not great in this. I mean, she's it a lot of the parts are legitimately underwritten. Like yeah. the only like the, the Surge, for example, the only thing we know about Surge throughout the entire movie is that he's French and he has a family. Like that's it. He sells it though. I would say that actor whose name I am blanking on and it's maybe a very complex name. I'm it we will not say it then because we know I know how I am with complex names. So I will simply say Serge. Does a great job. I think I think he sells it. I you want to talk about the deaths, I believe a little bit later we'll talk about yeah. the deaths, but I was very harrowing. It, yeah. it was a good actor takes, you know, good actor makes it extra harrowing. Um Aaron Eckhart as we've discussed, not fine. She's not fine either. They're both subpar. But yeah. did you notice something, Dan? Did you notice the multiple cutaways to Aaron Eckhart just looking amused? <laughs> no? Yes? Was it me? I don't like, think... I mean, I, the one thing that I think Aaron Eckhart does well in this film is that he legitimately acts as though he's not aware he's gorgeous. Yes. That is actually... Yes. And, and I know that sounds weird, but like, you know, he plays... He actually does. He plays a University of Chicago plays, professor, right? With, <laughs> with with like desperate dad humor, like that actually did track. That was actually well done, and he's he's dressed like appropriately enough as a you know University of Chicago professor. The one funny, the His one time hair I laughed, is not University of Chicago. Professor. That's fair. Yes. No. The one thing I laughed is when they're <laughs> in the adorably tousled hair. Yes. He takes off his his shirt at one oh, point yeah. and like it's hysterical because like we're all just not supposed to know that he's totally ripped and like you know he just puts his shirt I, back on. Yeah. yeah, the no one in the no one in the cabin is like, hmm. Yes. <laughs> snack time. It's uh, Beck's right there for God's <laughs> sakes. Okay. You know, yeah. like nope. Snack no time, everybody. We're trapped in this earth. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the, the I mean, I don't know, it's pretty snacky interior there. The tooch. <laughs> Also, I mean, I he's know. sweaty. It's hot in there. Like it, it yeah. it's actually pretty romantic if you think about it. It's, I, it's, I, well, yes. Snack time, at least. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. All right, Dan, let's go to Act 3. All right, let's get to Act 3, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Virgil reaches the core, which turns out to contain thinner fluid than expected. This means that their nuke isn't big <laughs> Sorry. enough. <laughs> just, Sorry. It yeah. just, it's funny to me that like, that they even bother putting up like obstacles for them in this movie <laughs> for some reason. It's just so per- all so preposterous. Like, why not have it there be aliens? I don't know. Like, it's just like, I, that's, why like I like yes, that's why I like Moonfall. That's why I like Moonfall because when they pre- present stupid obstacles for these people to overcome as plot contrivances, they just go for it. Yeah, it's just, there. it's just aliens. It's not going to be. This like is weirdly thinner, a thinner liquid. No, the problem you know? is, is this film is weirdly more grounded than Moonfall. And yes, therefore, as slightly it were. less enjoyable. Yes, yes, get it. Uh, so anyway, this means the nuke isn't dad big humor. enough. Yes, the nuke isn't big enough to restart the core. I'm a professor on it. This is the dad humor that I go for. Yeah. Zimsky says that they have to leave and tells General Purcell on the surface that they should use Project Destiny. Destiny stands for Deep Earth Science Trigger Initiative instead. Turns out that Zimsky built this device to trigger tectonic instability in our enemies, I guess, and it was likely responsible for the core problems in the first place. Keys and Rat communicate surreptitiously using prime numbers, Anna, which was super sophisticated. And Rat agrees to cyber stop Destiny while Keys tries to figure out how to use the nukes. Zimsky protests, but Brad's cold cocks him. When Zimsky comes to, he figures out the way to make it work is to explode the nukes separately across the core. To do this, however, they will need to separate Virgil's compartments. Braz sacrifices himself to go into Virgil's unshielded sections with a suit that is not built to contain the heat to engage the manual override. <laughs> yeah, just, okay. Yeah, keep yeah. it, we're, yeah, we'll get yep, to this. Keep going, keep going. Dimsky and Keyes set the nukes in the separate compartments, but they realize that they miscalculated the warhead size. In their race to adjust timings, Zimsky becomes trapped in a detached compartment. Anna, I will say one thing that I didn't, I noticed this time watching, which I hadn't noticed before, was this film has a sadistic streak to it. Mm. Um, There are a lot of death scenes in this film, both of like random things. Like at one point, the Golden Gate Bridge melts basically, but also like of the protagonist, Surge dies and then Braz. And it seems like those scenes are needlessly drawn out in unpleasant, agonizing fashion. And I weirdly, because the acting is so good, like it it really does make it unpleasant. I could not watch um yeah. especially the serge one oh actually you yeah. know what both of them i, I but they're both terrible because also 
I don't want to dwell in it. Those are terrible ways to die. Yeah. I mean, it's not just like, it's not like. Surge is crushed to death and and Braz is basically roasted to death. These are horrible deaths. Yes. Like when you die in space, one of the things or like lack of oxygen, like one of the things I always think to myself when we're, when that's the threat is like, that's Mm -hmm. not a terrible way to go. (laughs) You know, especially if your oxygen decreased slowly, like you fall asleep, right? And freezing to death is another, you basically fall asleep. But roasted to death with your eyeglasses melting on your face (laughs) (laughs) and then having hot metal crush your body yeah these are in their two performances we've come to really you know like the characters and then the actors have charisma so watching them is really really tough i i will say a couple things keys does get over surge's death real quick He does I, again real, this, real quick. I will say this, I, you know, we, we've been knocking on Aaron Eckhart. I did like his like outrage that, that, yeah. you know, Beck refuses to, to let him try to rescue Serge. Like that was, that was good acting. It was good emoting from him. And it also actually, frankly, might've been Hillary Swank's best moment when, yeah. when she acknowledges that she's, you know, she screwed up twice and like, you know, it's right. There. Yeah. But uh, on top of that, his two mm-hmm. best moments, there is a, the next time someone dies. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is when they, when Braz dies, it's Braz. Yeah, yeah. They flip the switch together. Yes. Which is a little corny, but I think meaningful. Like they're taking into account we're both making the decision this happened, right? And so, they know to the extent of like Iverson's thing of like sometimes you have to make bad decisions, they both recognize this has to be done. So, yeah. But let's talk some more about the Tooch. <laughs> His freak out when he realizes they want to do a suicide mission is really, really good. Yes. Like it's amazing because it's, it's believable. It's not Mm -hmm. hysterical. It's not cowardly. It's like some guy that's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like why, why best line in the whole movie? It took me and 400 of the world's smartest people to come up with the first plan. (laughs) Like, (laughs) When he's saying like you're just going to come up with a plan, like he's they're they're saying we'll come up with something, and he's like, it took me and four hundred of the world's smartest people to come up with the first one, you know, like no, no, like it was was always like it was the one moment, and again, that's one of the weird things about the script in this film, Anna, is like every once in a while, it's like the screenwriter is like, yeah, I know this is really dumb, so I'm gonna have someone comment on this, and this is one of those moments where it's like this is what a real person would do when like surrounded by movie people saying, well, we've got to do the heroic thing, even though they had no idea what to do like yeah they're just it's saying no, should, this yeah. is not this is a little like the last of us in that it's yeah. it's not actually the case you know the case study choice that they think it is it's right. not it's not the heroic sacrifice it's you don't know what the fuck you're doing like right. why but then but then he gets to figure out how to fix it and yep. has one of the best death scenes i think in disaster movies really. yeah that was a great one like and like that was actually well done because you don't see like him irradiated he's just like he's narrating to himself. And again, like that was a lovely touch where like he's yeah. writing a book that was actually clever. And I did like that. Uh, he's doing this for those who may choose not to see it. He, he throughout the journey, he's doing little <laughs> Carl Sagan narration into a handheld recorder. recorder. Yeah. And we see him floating, you know, floating, whatever it is, his container detached from the main, main part of the ship. And he he starts doing in death. He starts going. I believe he says something like in death. <laughs> and he starts talking. And then he's like, "What the?" F-? I think he says, "What the fuck am I doing?" And he starts yeah, so laughing. Like, yeah. yeah, he does. Start he, la- he, he, even he and, realizes how absurd he's, he's being. And which is, his laughter yes. is like the thing that he apparently is doing when he dies, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yes, you know? and yes. it isn't life absurd anyway. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Let's let's keep going. Speaking of absurd, yes, let's go with Act Four: Unobtainium for the win. To get the extra plutonium needed for the last bomb, Keyes takes it all from Virgil's reactor. This kills all of the power, but interestingly enough, does not kill Keyes or Beck. It does look like they're going to be slowly cooked, but as the bombs start going off, Keyes remembers that unobtainium converts heat into energy. So they hotwire the engine and start making their way to the surface as the bombs do the voodoo that they do and the core starts spinning again. Virgil somehow makes its way to the surface. Again, I'm not entirely sure I bought the plot here, but whatever. But loses power once it hits the ocean because there's no heat. They use the remaining power they have to talk to the whales. And you know what, Anna? It's so fucking absurd. I'm just going to tell you that they're rescued. 
The film closes with Rat posting everything online in yet another dumb scene that makes zero sense. Okay, like it's clear they thought this would look cool, but like Rat goes into a cyber cafe, which did exist in 2003. That's totally fair. But like you see him put his laptop down. He opens up his laptop. The next thing he brings out, Anna, is what? A paper file of top secret documents, which serves no purpose. It's not like he can scan it's not those even, things. It, it, and he, when he releases it, it is yeah. on the computer. Right, exactly. Like, why, I don't know why he took the, the secret paper files out. In fact, if anything, you'd want to keep those in there, like, because they could, whatever. It's just so dumb. <sighs> okay. We've talked about this before, Anna, but I do think uh, we should say the performances are wildly varying quality. I will just say I would have approved, like, much more longer stretches of the film involving, you know, Delroy Lindo and Stanley Tucci just engaging in like petty backstab. Their odd couple uh, kind of repartee. Yeah. No, my favorite scene in the movie is easily is when they first go in. And as you say, like the Tucci is narrating his thing, you know, Brad says, are you going to do this Carl Sagan shit all the way yeah. to the core? You know, I and like, and, and then, you know, it's like, you have a book deal. And, and he says, I have two book deals, actually. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I read your last book. It wasn't very good. <laughs> I love like, Oh, and really? And when did you learn to read? It was it was just <laughs> charming. Like the two of them, like, I, I wish they had like had that a little more. On the other hand, it's not just Hillary Swank. Richard Jenkins and Alfred Woodard are just kind of going through the motions on this as well. Yeah. Um, and I still don't know what to do with Aaron Eckhart's performance. Like, I think he's trying. I don't know what it, it and he's it, it's just weird. He's an enigma. I actually looked up a little bit of what he's done since, and he's he did Batman. He's been yeah. in a couple of like kind of forgettable stuff, yeah. a couple, I think, direct-to-video things in the past couple mm-hmm. years. My recollection of him in terms of like what the you know magazines had to say is that he's a very he's he I think he might be a bit of an odd duck. Okay. Um, just personally, I know he's very private that he refuses to talk about his personal life, which, you know, more power to him. Hey, that, right? yeah, I was saying, I, I got um, that. Absolutely. I, I do. And he also quit acting for, a, well, he didn't quit. He, he's very, he stopped going out for roles. He was very, like, in one interview, he was very clear about, like, it's not the same as not acting. I just didn't know what I was doing. And I decided to work on my own stuff hmm. for like a year. Okay. You know, so. I hope to. He's still very hot. Um, <laughs> maybe he should become. Maybe he should become a professor on it. It really does sound like he just yeah. needs to get a PhD. Yeah. There you go. Not too late. Yeah. Um, as my dad always always reminds me, not too late. <laughs> Dan, you know, I have a question. Yes, Anna. Is there IR in this stupid movie? Anna, I tried hard to think about this question, and the problem is, is that there's nothing on the other side of this equal sign. <laughs> Which is what I'm saying is, is that there is IR in this film, but like the science in this film, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So to be fair, there is explicit IR in this film. So why is destiny created? Zimsky goes on a rant about mutually assured destruction that again, due to the Tucci's acting is almost believable <laughs> from the sheer force of what like, you know, of, of the conviction of what he's saying. And sure, he's correct. Arms races are real. He says, like, the reason the U.S. creates destiny is because our adversaries were, so we had to do that. That's fine. But, and this is really important, Anna, <laughs> the, the principle of mutually assured destruction is that you don't actually use the weapons because that's what triggers, you know, the destruction. The mutual destruction. Yes, that's the, the, the two. thing. Yes. That's what the mutual means in there is both. Which raises the question of why they, I don't know, test fired the weapon so other countries might have detected it. Like, that's just strange. And also, it's possible that it's because this isn't actually a mutually assured destruction scenario. With mutually assured destruction, the logic of MAD is that everyone needs to know everything. Okay, for MAD Mm -hmm. to work, your adversaries need to know that you have this weapon and that you will use the weapon if the others use the weapon against you. All right. You don't keep it a secret. I weirdly, again, Dr. Strangelove actually does a fantastic job of pointing this out where he's like, why didn't you, you know, like asking the Russians, why did you keep this a secret? You know, and so forth. It defeats the purpose to keep this secret. You send Zimsky on a roadshow announcing this thing. And Zimsky would sell the hell out of this, by the way. But like by keeping it a secret, we don't know anything. And so like, again, it's just 
if, if Zimsky had not said the term mutually assured destruction, even that speech might have been OK. But like because he says it and because Tucci is so good at acting, I almost believed it. And then I was like, wait a minute, this makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's not actually mutually assured destruction yes, happening exactly. here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's IR. It's bad. That's that's the the, the sum total of that. on it. Thank you, Dan. And now I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, this is my Kung Fu. <laughs> and it is strong. <laughs> An investment banker is the film's first casualty, Dan. <laughs> did you notice that? I noticed that. Not only did I notice that, there was a small part of me. I was like, oh, so this is the sequel to American Psycho. Okay, now I get it. Yeah, <laughs> It's a very like vicious portrayal. Uh, you know, slightly more seriously, this film is very pro-labor. Uh, that's obvious. You have the vindication of Braz, yep. who's a man out in the desert actually making things. And then there's Zimsky, who is mm-hmm. living off of the appropriation of that labor, and he's the villain, to the mm-hmm. extent there's a villain that isn't the Earth. Yeah. Maybe. And then there's the crew who have built this ship in sweat equity, the real <laughs> owners of the vessel, deciding their ultimate fate and the fate of the ship through a shop floor vote. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Yep. I, I think I, I think that we see in this an example of solidarity, Dan. That is interesting. Solidarity to the end. <laughs> and again, this is I, I did love when like they all vote. No, no, we're gonna push push on. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Zimsky's reaction to that is just priceless. And again, really good. It's wildly entertaining and like you, good you acting. So- rarely see the dissenting vote for a suicide mission portrayed as a rational person right 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 yeah. like <laughs> you you it's usually like a coward or like a you know um someone who's who's being hypocritical and he's just like no this is a dumb idea until he then solves it which yeah. it works he makes it work Metal against metal. Oh, yes. Ah, it's Lou Reed's We're... machine metal music. I think we must be going through the Earth's crust. Yes, that's it. It's discordant notes. Yep. Uh, Dan, uh, these are questions from our Discord members. Uh, what, what did they want to know? So we've kind of tackled a lot of the questions already because the, the primary question we got asked was how bad is the science on this film and how frustrated were the science advisors on this film? So in some ways we sort of addressed that. But uh, Foreign Contaminant, that is the name of the, the person, had multiple questions. And we're going to, these are pretty easy to answer. Question one is, would a government greenlight a project that could so easily end all life on Earth? And then the second question is, does this movie occur in the same universe as Avatar? Because Avatar also talks about unobtainium. My answers to this, Anna, are yes and yes. Like, yes. would a government greenlight a project that could so easily end all life on Earth? We've done it! Yeah. What do you think nuclear it's weapons are? Like demonstrably you know, uh, pr- proved. Yeah, absolutely. No denying yeah. we have done it. So yes, that's that. And by the way, we're not the only government to have done it. Most governments, you know, like that, that's thing. Yeah. And governments, movie- it's a thing governments do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does this movie occur in the same universe as Avatar? I have decided yes. Like I, I like to think that like Earth, whenever av- the Avatar universe starts up, still needs the unobtainium because they probably still have like instability in the you know what stuff, it is you know. is they've mined all the unobtainium on earth yeah. they've like probably depleted the earth's unobtainium sources i don't know i i almost appreciate just the straight play of the word unobtainium like yes, it's very funny <laughs> i remember that from avatar 2 and just being like they're not even making this a joke like this is just they've just decided to call it that it's like you made a new film, um, a new mystery, and and decided to call the thing that everyone's chasing the MacGuffin. Like, who has the MacGuffin? <laughs> and again, this is a weird moment where this film is slightly cleverer than Avatar, because as you say, in Avatar, they just play it straight. Whereas at least in this film, you have, you know, Aaron Eckhart playing keys, like responding to the term unobtainium, acknowledging that it's funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's the mixed tone. There, yeah. a little bit of a mixed tone. Yeah. All right. Ting, ting. It's, oh, it's diamonds, Dan. Oh, oh, oh Running no. into diamonds. Yep. It's the debris go. field. This is where we talk about what we haven't talked about yet that we still want to talk about. We've done a ton. We have. Uh, do you have anything left, Dan? I have three things left, Donna. Okay, you go first. All right. So first, the unattaining is one example. There's another shot of this film, which I did not realize in some ways 
it precedes Spielberg's War of the Worlds, but it's the same shot where you see like a camcorder fall to the ground and then you see the destruction mm. through the camcorder uh, screen. Now, again, it's telling because Spielberg's version does it much better. But I will say the original idea appears here, which I just find intriguing. I am going to point to one of the the handful of really funny lines that appear to be intentionally funny Mm -hmm. uh, when they're talking about why no one has explored the Earth's crust and Earth's core as as like we've explored space. Someone says space is easy. It's empty. Yep. Which I did like. It's true. No, that was actually a good, that that, that was a rare, good answer. And I thought actually scientifically accurate answer. So, you know. And funny, same time. Yep. So at one point, I think they must have listed Rat's employment history as they were like, you know, introducing his character. Mm -hmm. And I did laugh because they listed three places that he worked at. Sun, Microsystems, Lucent Technology, and then the Rand Corporation. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I just, As a Rand alum, Dan. I was like, oh, okay, we're fellow Rand alums. Okay, good to know. You know, I I did laugh at that. That was again. Just, I, I don't think it was intended to be a funny. It's funny. No, I did. I thought of you as well. Yes. So as we briefly mentioned before, there is a ton of really portentous typing in this movie, which regular <laughs> yes. listeners know that I'm yes. always amused by. Just really intent typing. And then also there is a um, unnecessary computer message, which also, again, regular <laughs> listeners would know that I, I like those. And it is in the control room, which, oh, by the way, control room, weirdly <laughs> silent control room. Do you know, did you, did you I, I remember when they were, when they're having the argument at some point where they're having the argument about whether or not I think to let Braz go or let Serge go, mm-hmm. like. It, they're all arguing and then they decide and then they, yeah, no, the they never even room, cut to the control room is just like silent. It's like, Oh yeah, wow, that sucks. Yeah. Like, huh. I, well, I mean, it was, it was low energy to begin with. They're like, there's one argument in the control room between Alfred Woodard and, and Richard Jenkins that might be the most low energy argument. It's all I like, I think it should, like Alfred Woodard says, damn you. And he says, yeah. I'm already damned. And it's like, it's like, like I yeah. wanted to like shoot adrenaline into they them. They were like, actually know. holding phones to yeah. phone it in, but yeah. they might as well have been. Um, but there's so there's a scene that it, in the control room where one of the computer screens reads "receiving signal from Virgil," <laughs> which if you're getting a signal, you just you just do the signal. You don't on it. It's Virgil as opposed to the other ships that must be built, like that are out there that we don't know about. You, you know, just, like you just you play just, it. Like if yeah. you're, it's 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 you just play the thing. Yeah. So anyway, there's that. There's uh, and then I don't know if I have anything else. I think one more. You go if you have something else. I have hand. one last thing, and this is like this. I think is emblematic of the the film sloppiness, which is so we learn about Project Destiny. Okay, Stanley Tucci spells it as to oh. what the project is. Right. It's destiny, D-E-S-T-I-N-I. He actually says those letters to say what it stands for. In the subsequent searches where Rat is like looking for this project, he keeps spelling it with a Y. Mm. And furthermore, like if you watch the closed captioning, they they keep using the Y. Like so like it's weird. Like, again, if you're going to look for the thing, look for the right thing. And I, I, it sounds like a minor thing. But if, if the project is actually called destiny with an eye then guess what maybe this is why rat didn't find it or couldn't kept getting locked out maybe he was entering project destiny <laughs> with a y that was something different if he had actually actually it would have been legit funny if he was doing it with a y and then at the last second realized it was an oh, eye, and then he hacked it. yeah yes yeah, so that actually would have been funny but like no it's just sloppy <laughs> so i realized i actually have two things and they're both actually okay. slightly positive things one is mentioned before but tooch with the cigarettes oh, loved yeah. it Yes, he makes it. I, you remember? He made me remember why I like smoking. I thought of you. you look, you look very cool doing it. That also, is why, like, kids, again, listen to me. You look cool <laughs> when you smoke. Tucci sells the hell out of it too. Like even like I am not someone who loves. I oh, no, it's never smoked. I don't like it. But looking, I would love to watch Tucci smoking. I guess would be the yeah. Word. No, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every yeah, bit of it. Yeah. And then there is a good line. Okay, Serge. You said one of the only things we know about him is that he has a family, but. Yeah. When he says to uh, Keys that this is too big a thing to kind of comprehend, you have to think smaller. He says he just thinks about his family, not am I? Yeah, that's true. The mission that isn't good. to save the world. The mission is to save my family. Am yeah. I smart enough and brave enough to just save three? 
Yeah, no, you're actually right. I, that, that was a good line. And again, that's the weird, it's the weird thing about this film. It's mostly bad, but occasionally there are legitimately great things in it. Yeah, that is true. That's it. Like, it's there's no, like, just good part of it. It's, like, mostly yeah. really bad. And then there's, like, some stuff there, like, who? where did that come from? Yeah. Who put that there? Because it couldn't have been the people that made the movie. Because <laughs> this guess, like, is it's shit. Not- Right. And again, it's like it's in this way. And we talk about this. It's like the opposite of Event Horizon where like, you know, the acting is pretty good in that. But like, it's clear that there was a vision that, that oh, yeah. dominated that. That's not someone wanted film. to make that movie. Right. Like they want this movie is like, yeah, no one wanted to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie screams like the studio has an idea. Let's all get like, let's just put all this stuff in a blender. Yeah, but there are some right, elements- let's do it. Who yep. do we have? Like, who do we got? Who can we call? All right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at all these Oscar winners. They're free. Well, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I do want to shout out whoever did Tucci's wig is just, you know, props. You know what? Like, it bothered me less. Yeah. Bothered me less as the movie went on. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I will say for that. All right. I think we have reached the end of our journey, Dan. Um, fortunately, I, yeah. we have I, enough. <laughs> and the earth is still back. spinning on us. So mission accomplished spinning. there. Yeah. Uh, I will remind people, uh, Dan has a sub stack. I am now a columnist at the New Republic. Mm-hmm. I also do other stuff. You can go to my website. It's www.fatadamreecox.com. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know what? This is a 2003 film, Anna. It's appropriate that you do it for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Dot <laughs> uh, <laughs> com. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I was working in the in, in the first dot com boom in the late. In the late nineties, we had a set of stickers made where I worked that just said dot com on them so that we'd mm-hmm. go around San Francisco. Dot <laughs> 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 com at the end of things. <laughs> <laughs> like stop signs, you yeah. know. Oh, like, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, posters that is charming, for actually. bands coming. Yeah. It was it was so much fun. I don't think anyone appreciated it as much as, <laughs> as we did. I also Oh, I also, in the same period of time, I had a rubber stamp made with mm-hmm. the said irony on it. <laughs> I had a self-inking rubber stamp that said irony. <laughs> oh, Anna, I just fell in love with you again a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> again, I just liked having it. Like, I didn't, I mean, it was like, just look, everyone, I have a self-inking stamp that says irony. <laughs> You know, one of like 20 people in the world. I guess the people are listening. I know. I could totally see Keys saying that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Aaron Eckhart would have appreciated that as all I'm saying. Yes. I like to think so. All right. Until next time, Dan. Keep this channel open for more.